0: This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. Did you see the story about this off-duty pilot that was trying to uh purposely crashed the plane, I guess. I didn't even look to where it was flying to. Um, Oregon or uh, Washington or something like that. Can you imagine this? That this off duty pilot, I guess, is allowed to sit up front in the cockpit. I suppose they are able to fly free that way, or who knows what the whole arrangement is. But they fly up front, they're pilots, I guess it's okay. This guy decides he's going to, like, uh, try and cut off the engines or something like that. They had to subdue this guy. This is nuts. Where is this coming from? Demonic? Is he uh, ISIS? Was he? Uh, I don't. I don't want to run down the list. Every, you know what I mean? Everybody's so uh, trigger happy these days. I don't want to falsely accuse anybody. Probably some, you know, uh, mentally ill white guy. For all I know. Can you, no one, you wonder why people don't want to fly, people don't want to go anywhere. you got a retired police officer in Las Vegas getting mowed down on his bike. Do you remember that story a couple of weeks ago? Two fine young men, otherwise fine young men, you know, having a mental episode, I'm sure, decide that they're going to purposely ram and run over the bicycle and rider while they film it, in a stolen car, no less, obviously a mental moment. I'm not sure what the technical term would be. So, dead white cop. Nobody cares. Just run him down. I have to believe if I was out there it would suffer the same same fate, right? Big old white guy, yeah, mow him down. <laughs> What's the crime? That was just a mental moment, really. Off duty pilot. Well, it depends. This is what do we do with this one? Well, you gotta go to the two rule rule. Naturally, if it's a young, dark-skinned person. Eh, they've obviously lived a marginalized youth, been suffering under white supremacy, white privilege, all these things, and it was a mental moment. If it was an older white guy, hang him, kill him. I don't know why he's still alive, really, right? Either way, how do you get on a plane these days and feel comfortable with what's going on? It all started with the, um... It's interesting that this came up because I've been talking about, uh, flying in airlines since the beginning of the podcast. Why is that? Because I used to love to fly and I no longer do. And actually with this story, it might just seal the deal. I don't know that I'm going anywhere for a while. It's just crazy though that I have to sit here and what, be afraid to fly? It's not that I'm afraid to fly. I'm not even really afraid to fly. I just, I just don't want the hassle. I don't want to be crammed into a seat that I don't fit in. You know, stuff next to it. Nobody talks to anybody. There's no conversation and Not that I'm going to complain about that at this point. Zero, you know, service for the most part. I don't want to complain. Last time I was at the airport, I went to the self-check-in, and the woman was there to finalize. I said, can you just help me with this label, these, you know, these goofy, sticky tape things? I always get it wrong. No, that's for the paid line. If you want the unpaid line, you stick your own sticky. This progress, this liberal progress that we're going through is just almost too much to handle. People are so comfortable treating each other. I don't know if you can blame liberal progress really on that. I think i probably mostly blame social media, the decline of religion, and lack of two-parent households. But let's not go down that rabbit hole, shall we? (laughs) Uh, What do I really want to talk about today? Uh, There used to be a guy on the radio on um, WWDB in Philadelphia. 96.5, 96.5, WWDB, 96.5. Um, I don't remember the phone number. It's now an AM station. You probably heard me talk about it. And this was what I listened to when I was a kid. This was what uh, influenced me to do the podcast, really. I always I enjoyed it. I enjoyed listening to it. I just found the guys very interesting. Well, anyway, there was a guy named Dr. Jim Corey. And uh, he was a real motivator. I want to say Dr. Jim was a Marine veteran also. How could I forget that? I'm pretty sure he was. Anyway, he had a saying. He said, uh, tough times don't last, only tough guys do. Now, naturally, we don't talk like that anymore. We would say tough people do (laughs) so that we could be all-inclusive. Imagine that. Imagine that if there was a movement for all the people, for all the people under God. Wouldn't that be amazing? Mm, that's not what we're doing. Anyway, I used to sign off every show. Remember, tough times don't last, only tough guys do. There's another saying. I, think it was, I feel like it was Eisenhower. I should have probably noted that before I brought it up. Smooth seas never made a skilled sailor. I could mess that up quickly. I've got a little bit of a lisp as it is, if you haven't noticed, since I was a kid. Hey, it's mostly gone away. I don't hear too much about it anymore. I guess I've outgrown it. Smooth thieves never made a filled sailor. (laughs) Uh, Smooth seas never made a skilled sailor. I'm sure I didn't enunciate or pronounce or whatever that properly. Who was it, Eisenhower? I don't know. I found this, kind of sums this up nicely. If you want an easy life, um, make hard decisions, read hard books, do hard workouts, solve hard problems, choose hard competition. This is the way to live an easy life. Indeed, indeed, indeed. We need resilient people. We need people that know what effort is, that know what it means to try, to work hard. It's as important as ever. Why? Well, because we're in big trouble. Let me start with this. This is NBC? Yes, it is. This is um. what NBC, I wish I had the date on this, but it's current no date here that stinks saving money to buy a house they say your dollar goes half as far as it did at the end of 2020 wow when did i move here i think i feel like we moved in 2019 i can tell you that on our block that yes indeed the cost to buy a home has in fact doubled Now, that doesn't mean that the prices have doubled. The costs have doubled. Unless you're paying cash, you're going to need a lot more money. The cost basis for our home, which I'm not going to describe to you, is the same as it is for some townhomes down the street. Nice townhomes. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say luxury townhomes. Maybe a, I don't know if they would, I don't know if they were ever marketed as that. Three bedrooms, two and a half baths, one car garage, townhome, all siding, maybe a little masonry, I don't think so. Right next to the highway. Nice community, nice community. But here's what's amazing to me the cost basis of that townhome is the same as what the cost basis of my house was when I bought it. And I look at this. And I think I scratch my head. The cost is unbelievable. And, and you know, you've heard me talking about the, the impact of inflation on us. I think to myself, you know, what, what does a, a, a young family do? It's got to be crazy. So that's NBC saying, hey, housing costs have doubled. Then there was this. This came, comes from Axios, which is about as reliable as the wind. No, the wind's more reliable. But they say, how long does it take to profit on homes in the United States? They say that homeowners buying today won't see a profit for over ten years. Assuming uh, this is different than I thought. Um, assuming a thirty-year loan at seven percent, purchase price three hundred and seventy-six thousand. The time to break even with varying down payment amounts. Um, Would be 13 and a half years at 3% down, 5% 5 down would be 13.3 years, barely change. What does this mean? I don't know. I see. Before you've paid down enough interest to cover the sale cost is what they're saying, I believe. That's crazy. Right? You buy the house, the cost of the sale, eh, probably around nine percent here it's going to be your maybe eight i don't know i'd have to look into it a little more it depends i'd figure nine because it seems like every transaction you're giving something back somewhere along the line so nine percent so the, if you got a hundred thousand dollar property which doesn't exist but if you did 9%, nine percent nine thousand dollars covers the broker commission the transfer tax title fees and whatever, escrow transfers and stuff like that, whatever goes in that stuff. So if you're 9%, so you buy a $100,000 house, right, and you put 3% down, you have a $97,000 mortgage, you got a 30-year loan on it at 7% interest, what they're saying, it'd take you 13 years before you've got enough equity to sell that house. Now, that that would be assuming – um that the prices don 't go up, which we 'll see what happens. people think they 're going to go down. I have seen in my lifetime, as a matter of fact, the second house that I bought i 've only ever bought three homes i 've only ever lived in well I lived in an apartment, so since I got out of the marine Corps i 've only ever lived in four places, kind of amazing when you think about it, 35-some years. The bulk of it, I lived at the place that I moved out of. But anyway, um, the second house that I bought, I bought from a friend, family friend, friend, still friends. And um, he sold it to me for the same price he bought it 12 years before that, something like that. Don't quote me on that. I could probably go look it up. That's crazy when you think about it. For 12 years or something like that, that the price didn't go up at all. And quite frankly, uh, it had been on the market for a while. I, I was in a bit of a pinch. Um, I had sold a business and I was technically unemployed and the banks didn't like that. Interest rates were high. And, um, you know, I had to make it work, which I did bought it through a friend, but a uh, big down payment on it to deal with all that. And, um, I needed to move quickly. I'd sold my other home, so he let me move in while we were and rent it from him while we were waiting on the deal to close. but I bought it for the same price, and then the when, when I bought it, the price uh cheese by the time we sold it, we got like two and a half times, but that was twenty some years. And it went up a lot in the following twenty some years, but that's not typical and there's been other periods in history, so where does that mean? That means for the twenty-five-year-old uh, kid today. Funny, I am saying kid, and he's got a girlfriend. He's living at home. What's he looking at? I mean, you can't even find anything, you know. And, and let's just say he's not a Harvard grad, all right. I know all the writers for NBC and Axios; they're all Harvard grads, so you know they're making whatever two fifty a year. Yeah, I don't know who's buying this stuff up. But there's not a lot for sale, although it seems to be hitting around here. But anyway, let's just say this is a, a, a plumber, an electrician, a trade school guy. And he's got a great job. He could be making 80, 90 a year. Let's say he's doing something really specialized. You know, let's say he's an electric lineman, an electric lineman around here making uh, overtime 110000 a year, probably more in some cases. And let's say his girlfriend, he's going to get married. She's got a good job, making seventy, eighty. They're making a hundred and ninety thousand. You better do the math on it. The price of the houses around here, you can't afford it. So let's just say they they they're really smart and they save and they save and they save and they save. And they have their wedding and they save that. Maybe their parents kick in a couple of bucks, and they get a really low mortgage. Is the doggone thing even profitable after all that? Yeah, you know, it used to pay off. People would then be getting these adjustable rate mortgages on that just because the prices were going up. You couldn't, could not do it. It's nuts. So, w- w- what is the opportunity in this country when home ownership isn't part of it? You tell me. Uh, you're going to live in an apartment in like a prison. I look at these new apartments going up. That's not the American dream. Oh, but then listen to this. <laughs> Let's go to the financial experts, shall we? Because that was NBC and Axios talking about the real estate market and me poo-pooing the whole thing. Let's go to Yahoo Finance. What do they have to say? Because they certainly aren't. Oh, no, this from Bloomberg. Even better. Even better. Bloomberg says fresh growth numbers are set to show that the United States remains an economic powerhouse. I really can't regurgitate this to you. You want to read it, it's in the show notes. Economic powerhouse. There's no opportunity for our children, but we're an economic powerhouse. Indeed, we are. I just looked at my uh, stock statements before, uh, shortly before the podcast. I was really impressed. I was really, you know, the, the yields are down, but the, oh, they're profitable. I say, wow, thanks, Uncle Joe. I'm making money. How can I complain? I don't know. Wait till the tax bill comes. We'll see what it's worth, you know, right? When it comes time to cash it in. In the meantime, we're going to start more wars, right? We're going to start more wars. I want to talk about that a little bit. But either way, the fiat money, the politics, the wars, we knew this was coming. I told you they're not going to let Trump be president. If they have to carry this war so far to Um, pull some kind of false flag to enact martial law and cancel the election, I believe they will. You ask me my opinion. I believe that they will do whatever it takes. Why? Because if not, we're going to go through a big default, and there's just people that would lose in that, and they say they're not going to do it. That's my belief, okay? And with that, I know a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? I didn't expect everybody to understand it. And I don't don't even know that I'm going to say there's a big market crash coming. I don't think it has to be that necessarily. The assets are there. I've said this. The buildings, the real estate. Now, granted, there's stress and problems and things like that. And, you know, how much are the buildings worth with no tenants? Not a lot. You know, things like, you know, what is a gas pipeline worth with no gas flowing through it, right? Um, But I don't think so. I think a lot of this war talk is mainly nonsense, even as I look at what's going on in the Middle East, which I'm going to go into with you. I see a lot of posturing. Could it blow up? Absolutely. I don't know. We'll see. We will see. I think this is all over money, though. Bankers start the war. What does that mean? That means somebody's got the money and they're not paying up from what I can tell. What do you think? This is from a guy, uh, Mamoud Darwish. He died in 2018. He was a Palestinian poet. I really don't know about this guy, but here's what he said. He said, the war will end. The leaders will shake hands. The old woman will keep waiting for her martyred son. The girl will wait for her beloved husband. And those children will wait for their hero father. I don't know who sold our homeland, but I saw who paid the price. I said this to you at the beginning of the Ukraine war that I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand what was going on. I still don't. I think I might know a little bit, but I really don't. And I really don't have much of a desire to learn. Maybe a little fascination, but it's just not something that I have the time to put the time into. But I did reliably predict this about the war in Ukraine. What did I say? That the Ukrainian people were going to get screwed. And what's happening? They're getting screwed bad. I don't know that people here, at least not in suburbia, Really, and maybe not everywhere, by the way. Really appreciate just how bad they're getting screwed. And I predict this: that many people in Israel and a lot of people in Gaza are going to pay a big, big price. The question is, is it going to spread here? I don't really care. I've told you this before. I mean, of course, the human side of me—I I don't. I wish it, world peace is what I would like to see. Otherwise, as far as getting involved, spending my time on it, I have no interest. I'm interested in protecting this homeland. And we're in a tough time right now. I can't help, by the way, but feeling that this whole Middle East conflict is really about the election. What would you say? Seems to me that elections are won by dollars. I heard somebody openly say it on the radio. Let's face it. Elections are one with money because it takes money to run an election. This is the way it is around the world. And so we look to see, you know, what is a candidate raising? It's all they care about. Democrat, Republican. I've been there, my friend. You could say I want to run for president. (laughs) Oh, is that right? How much money have you raised? Fourteen cents. That's what we thought. I played a little joke. probably shouldn't tell you this. I'm saying it was a little joke. It was a little test. I decided was playing, not planning to decide anything. I was uh, considering, at some point, strongly running for office, and I knew this with the money thing. But I also knew that I didn't need a lot of money to run the campaign that I wanted wanted to. So of course, this question would come up. So I started saying, uh, "We're sitting on a on a big war chest." Quite frankly. Uh, if I wasn't invested in other, uh, if my time wasn't tied up with other things, I'd be running for governor right now. <laughs> you should have seen the reactions. And I have just enough ties with, you know, the right people to make that seem, you know, remotely, remotely plausible. <laughs> so that you know, something like, is he pulling my leg with that? No, I don't. I don't pull people's legs. It's just my observation that elections are won with dollars. The best way to get money from people is to get people angry and to get them fighting with each other. Yeah, look at divorce lawyers. who wants to get divorced right? You know walk out and say, "Hey, who wants a politician? <laughs> You're not going to get a lot of yes'es. Who wants a root canal? <laughs> best price wins. Come on, who's taking it? <laughs> uh, no thanks. Colonoscopy. I'll throw hey, I'll give you a root canal and two colonoscopies. That's what it's like to go through an election anymore. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. You'll be hearing that pop up somewhere. That'll be on the on the internet somewhere. Anyway, what do divorce lawyers do? You know, nobody wakes up and they're like, you know, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go check out a few divorce lawyers. Not. Nah, even if you even if you are going through a divorce, I'm just like, yeah, oh, this guy's killing me, or a lady. Who likes divorce lawyers? I don't know how to see how they like themselves. How many, uh, if you've been through a divorce, you know how many times the lawyer comes, you know, I I think maybe you guys should reconcile. (laughs) No, they write these nasty little letters. You know, the the spouse goes, you have the kid's in the car seat or whatever, you know, you hear this bickering about. He wasn't on time. She wasn't this. What does the lawyer do? Say, hey, listen. Do you really want to pay, you know, $500 an hour to have me argue over this for you? You know, you guys are young. You need to get your life patched together. Do the lawyers talk like that? They're like, no. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. And then they put together a letter, and they send over the other one. Then they get a letter, and we're going to need a hearing (laughs) now. It's just like politics. Tell me what's different. Did you not put the seatbelt on? Because we want to know. Did you pay this same, it's like the country's run by a bunch of divorce lawyers when you think about it. And I don't know, you know, getting into the politics, I don't know there's any way around that. Which is why I say to you, you want to limit it. <laughs> Same with the divorces. Not something that you want to go through. It's a tough time. That's the point I'm trying to make. Is this problem of conflict around the world going to come here? Well, uh, Detroit synagogue president was murdered. I haven't heard any updates on this, so who knows what's going on with that. Maybe somebody out in that neck of woods can fill us in. What happened to the synagogue president, which is an odd title. Um, not really, probably, but it's, it's a large synagogue. I've seen uh, a lot of anti-Semitism out there, a lot of hate. I've said this before. It's very, very concerning to me. Um Some people are concerned about uh, Hamas being able to provide a surprise in this conflict. And I think I have an idea what that conflict is. Uh, That surprise, rather, is. I think they have an awful lot of these rockets. And I think that Iran has the hypersonic missiles um, and probably a lot of drones. What does all this mean? There is a possibility that Israel is vastly outgunned. What do I think of the chances of that? It's really hard for me to say. Uh, And I really don't know the validity of any of it. I really don't. I'm hearing rumors that the Iron Dome, that they they don't have enough ammunition to support. And and, and by the way, what I hear Hamas, Hamas is doing They'll launch like a, um, it'll be a like a, a fragmented uh, missile, so it'll blow out these you know di- different smaller missiles in like an, a like a firework kind of thing, and that causes the iron dome to falsely go after these you know little duds. So so first they'll fire say a rocket with these ten just you know lead balls in them. I don't know what it is, but something benign or. Maybe it has to be lit or whatever. I don't know. But they they fire it up and these these 10 duds pop out. And the Iron Dome has to shoot, you know, whatever, 20 shots or I don't know how, at least 10 shots, right, to take that down, to take down the 10 dummies. And then they, right after that, launch another rocket. And that's the one that's able to get through and penetrate that. Not always, of course. Pretty crazy stuff when you think about it. Really crazy stuff. Barbaric. The, the Israeli people are living through this. You say, what about the people of Gaza and what they're living through? What did I tell you about the Ukrainian people? What did I tell you, say at the beginning? They're all screwed. And, we're, and we are too. We're going to, at the very least, pay the bill for it. So is there a possibility of a surpri- Hamas surprise? Uh, they may be coming whether they go in there or not. They may be better off going in. They may be making a big mistake not going in there on their ground offensive. The, as far as the warships, um, you've got posturing. China sent warships. United States has warships in the area. There's a huge buildup of NATO forces in the area. I mean, it really appears to be on the brink of World War III without the headlines saying it. I want to talk more about that issue. Really concerning. Um, and Iran might be holding the cards with these hypersonic missiles at the end of the day. They might have to take down an aircraft carrier to uh, prove the point. I don't know. On the political side of all this, Harvard students accused Obama of genocide at a die-in protest. Uh Uh-oh, Harvard students blaming Obama. You know, he's he's built a gang that he can't control. I think he's in trouble, too. I really do. Hamas, supposedly on this drug, this uh, kind of rough, raw, cocaine kind of drug, and, um, This is the kind of thing that's been put out before. I find it to be very, very plausible, by the way, probably likely. If there's any truth to the heinous things that they carried out, you've heard me say this before, mental illness, drugs, it's about the only way things like that happen. And, um, you know, you can have both drug-infused mental illness. And, um, you know, to be able to do the atrocities that they did so casually, I find it completely plausible. Uh, Then I saw this. Seven influential accounts are warping Israel-Hamas news on X, researchers find. (laughs) I always love that, the researchers find or scientists say. What is this really about? Well, this is about NBC, who's reporting this, basically, not basically at all, uh, whining that people are getting their news from X. Seven influential accounts warping his well. Do they even list the accounts? Let me see here. I didn't get that far. I didn't really care. No. No, I don't see. Well, let me go to the full article here. I don't see any numbered list. No. Unbelievable. A couple of names in here, but <laughs> no, they really don't. They're not going to share it. I don't know. I didn't look far enough to know what they were doing with that, but it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, the whole thing's a big mess. It really is. People are picking sides in big ways. A lot of emotion. Perfect for, for a political storm. Perfect for an election season. Good versus evil. The very Our very existence is threatened, and Uncle Joe is going to lead us through it, right? Or... uh Captain Trump. I think a lot of people would like, they're like, all of a sudden, they're like, you know, it was pretty peaceful under Trump. What happened to the peace that, that Biden promises? Are people really, like, well, let's just vote this nonsense out? No, nah, that didn't happen. All right, I got to move on. Uh, but I do want to share a couple other noteworthy stories with you before I let you go. I don't know if you've heard the name Sheila Jackson, Representative Sheila Jackson. I want to say California, it doesn't really matter african-american representative uh and i don't think that matters at all by the way to the context of the story when well, anyway, she's caught on tape is berating her staff cursing and just a, a, a hate-filled tirade on what sounded like to be a you know another uh person of color i guess you'd say i don't know what does that sound like right it's racist to even say that I didn't get the feeling that this was a race issue. I think it was a black-on-black hostilities, if you will, which is fine. I mean, white people argue with white people. Um, I don't think it matters to the context of the story. And I don't even think her being a Democrat does. What I see is a couple of things here. This nasty, vile human being that doesn't have any respect for people, even of her own race, that she would speak down to people and think that any of that is remotely appropriate of anybody, let alone somebody who's supposed to be in a leadership role. But yet, she's one of the 500 or so people that make the financial decisions for half of the money of 330-some million people. This wretch... I had no respect for it, but here's what I'm saying: I don't want to focus on her because it's not why I brought it up. Many, many more like that, and it's not just limited to Congress. I've seen it firsthand. Nasty people. Now, what do you blame it on? Here in Pennsylvania, there's an amazing story. One of the governor's staff, some kind of inappropriate sexual conduct. I don't know if there was minors involved or not. I don't believe so. Either way, the governor signed off on a payment. There was a complaint with the Human Rights Commission, the State Human Rights Commission they've established, and there was a settlement as a result of that. No court hearing, nothing binding, I don't think. But yet the governor decided, the Democrat governor decided to go and make a payment for the staffer. Here's the interesting thing about it. And it may very well be the governor's undoing in a big way. <clears throat> but here's the interesting thing. The staffer was a Republican. Isn't that fascinating? And you say, wow, the Republicans are stabbing the Democrat governor in the back. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I said. Here in Pennsylvania, establishment Republicans and establishment Democrats Oh, they work well together, hand in hand. You might say, "Oh, indeed, thick as thieves." It's almost like the Uniparty. Some people, some people mention, and that's a fact. Anyway, uh, we don't have enough good people to support this bloated government with good people to lead it, manage it, staff it. Tough, tough times indeed. Let me mention a couple of these other stories real quick, and I got to get going. Uh, federal agents found more than two dozen minors working in an Ohio poultry plant. I looked into this. They were working after school hours. Um, this is such an overstretch of the federal government. It really is. Uh, I don't know that it's a real problem. I could go on and on about this. You probably, the children working in chicken plants. This is the way it is on farms and construction sites. The kids help out doesn't mean that the kids are being killed or denied nourishment or denied school or anything else. I worked hard. I worked hard on farms. I worked hard in my father's shop, and it was good for me. Um, a, coworker, a worker who's been cleaning a five-star hotel for 14 years in Las Vegas says that guests are so angry about the dirty rooms that they've been assaulting the cleaning staff. I actually experienced something similar recently where the hotel was just filthy. Um, if you've experienced something similar, I'd be interested to know. If it's would be just as nervous about staying in hotel rooms right now as uh, flying. Really crazy what COVID did. Did you see this about uh, CVS removing some popular cold medicines because the federal government said that the active ingredient um, is not uh, – Um, It was no more effective than a placebo. I I wonder why the federal government isn't so aggressive with the COVID vaccine, you would think, right? Never happened. Uh, Culinary Union in Las Vegas says that they're going to strike. No. No. They're going to participate in civil disobedience. Friends, that should be deeply concerning. I don't have enough time to go into the details. Nashville police chief, John Drake, who happens to be an African-American. Do do we say that anymore? Person of color? LGBTQIA2 plus 2? Don't they rope him in automatically? He probably wouldn't appreciate that. Anyway, police chief in Nashville, John Drake. His son is named a suspect in the shooting of two cops. Wow. Wow. Interesting story here. Uh, Gunfire erupted over an argument over the sale of some shoes, some sneakers. Uh, I've had about enough of these white supremacists spewing their hate everywhere, even over shoes. Maybe you get the sarcasm in that. Uh, This was sent by a friend. uh, Political donations and federal employees in 2020 elections, fedsmith.com. I didn't get a chance to look at it. Um, Oh, my. Um, Well, this is very telling. I don't know who these unions are. Um, Wow. This is hard. This is just federal. So, this doesn't even get into... Holy smokes. Um, This is uh, AFGE. I don't know what union that is. And um, it's showing a total here of 2.3 million, but... A million for Democrats, 46,000 for Republicans, 95% of their money going to Democrats. Um, the FAA Managers Association, Federal Aviation Administration, they were 52% Republican, 47% Democrat. Hmm. No wonder they're underfunded. NTEU, National, I don't know what that is. What's? is. I'm not going to look it up. Democrat. Listen, um, I've said this over and over again. Good public, strong public sector unions are important. To have them making any political donations is morally wrong. That they're influencing the people that are supposed to be representing us, giving money in elections. Over 3,000 migrants have hit... The New York City shelter time limit. Um, get ready. Get ready. They're going to start putting these people out on the street. And look at the timing. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? It, 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 I believe that there's a cutoff when you can turn off electricity in, in the Northeast, usually by law. I don't know what New York does. But, like, I know in Philadelphia, Pico is the big electric company. Like, in January, in the middle of winter, they are not allowed legally to cut off gas and electric. I think they can throttle it down. but I mean, The date's coming for that. It might be here now. Maybe November 15th. I don't know. But how is it humane that they're going to kick these people out on the street? Now, I know that you on the conservative, go, what do you mean humane? They shouldn't be here in the first place. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, I get it. I, I'm with you. But they're here. And now you're going to put them out on the street in the middle of the winter at this time? How perfect for the election. Who, who, would, they, who would they cozy up to? Who would take them in of all the groups right now, would you think? I don't know. Things are getting funny. A judge shot and killed in Maryland, apparently over an issue with a divorce domestic case. I told you, divorce lawyers, they make everybody crazy. I guess you really can't blame them, but it's really a uh, good analogy for what's going on in the country. God willing, I'll be back on Friday. I do have a couple things going on. There's a chance I might not be here. If not, don't worry. I'll be back very soon. Can't wait to see you then. Make it a great day.